Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Welcome to this week's episode of the Future of XYZ. Uh, we have the incredible privilege of speaking with Carlo Mondavi about the future of viniculture. Carlo, thank you for joining us. Hey, Lisa. Thanks. Pleasure is mine. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So thanks for, for hosting us. This is great. Thank you. So, I mean, Carlo, you, you have such a long history in viniculture. I mean, first of all, your father is, you know, Tim Mondavi, a great winemaker. Your grandfather was Robert Mondavi, who any Californian or any wine drinker in the entire world knows, celebrated, you know, in 2019, 100 years of winemaking in California. Um, your own vineyard that you started with your brother in 2013 is called Rain Winery, not spelled like the, 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 the things that falls from the sky, but we'll talk about that. You're the founder of the Monarch Challenge, as well as the co-founder and chief uh, farming officer for Monarch Tractor. Um, it, it's a pretty, it's it's a pretty impressive resume, and I, I just am excited to speak with you. And I think that the first question, of course, on the future of viniculture is, what is viniculture? Yeah, no, thank you, Lisa. And it's uh, big shoes to fill with my my grandfather and my father, and so I'm. Yeah, uh, Long story there. Um, so vin viniculture is um, the combination of viticulture and enology. Enology is the science of winemaking. Viticulture is the science of the art of farming uh, vineyards. And viniculture is um, literally uh, the idea of farming to make wine. So uh, that that's the the word. Um, I, we call it wine growing. My father, um, you know, winemaking, viticulture, you know, vineyard specialist. We call it wine growing. Viniculture is a great way to say it as well. So yeah, <laughs> it's great. And every and of course, it's, it, it has a long, long history. I mean, wine has a long history, right? I mean, I don't know since maybe the beginning of man, we've been growing grapes and and fermenting them for this alcoholic consumption. I, I mean, your your last name, I'm presuming, is Italian. I don't know that, but I'm assuming from Mondavi. I've spent a lot of time in France, and as a Californian, obviously, uh, know very little about wine. Um, talk to me about the history, if you will, of wine a bit. And also of your family's hundred-year history in, in, in making wines in California. Amazing, yeah, um, yeah. No, wine has been around since the beginning of human civilization. In fact, that's kind of you start to see um, the gathering of humans. You start to see the you know wine tracing back to those times, which is really really um, incredible to think about. Uh, my family's history is uh, you know a little bit shorter. This uh, the 2019, which I'm actually enjoying right now, of rain. Um, marks our hundredth consecutive harvest. Um, we haven't been through the same exact um, uh, facility, but um, or, or, or same, same business, just setbacks, challenges. Um, uh, there's, it's been a very, um, you know, over those hundred years, a lot of ups and downs. Um, going back to prohibition, which happened in 1919. In fact, California goes back to the 1830s with with um, the first um, grapes wow. being brought from Napa and Sonoma and kind of through the missions and, and whatnot, and then. 1861 with Charles Krug, the oldest uh, winery, uh, commercial winery in, in California, um, there in Napa. And then um, uh, my family's journey going back uh, really began because of prohibition, which is crazy that we, you know, 
we did that to ourselves. We enacted prohibition, making the consumption of things like wine and spirits illegal, which is just mind blowing. Um, <laughs> but there was a loophole in, in prohibition. And that was that the government wasn't willing to go against the church and they were not willing to go against medicine. And so um, my family, we were actually put out of business. We had a little saloon and a boarding house. And so we moved to uh, California uh, to ship grapes to the families throughout the United States because you know, during prohibition, the consumption of wine doubled, um, and it was this really, really incredible time. And um, and and being put out of business and loving wine as my great grandfather uh, uh, did, and my great grandmother, we moved to California. We were looking for the best grapes, and that led us to um, to well, first led us to California, and then led us to uh, Lodi, Napa, Sonoma, and kind of the areas where my family is still. Um, which is for anyone internationally or who doesn't know that those counties are north of San Francisco in California, both inland and towards the coast. Yeah, and, have a, and they have a really unique um, climate because we have this incredible um, cold air coming from the San Francisco Bay and from the Pacific Ocean, which is one of the coolest right out there is one of the coolest channels of water in the world. And so you get these really incredible diurnal shifts where it's very cold at night, you're wearing a puffy at night, and then you can be in a t-shirt um, during the growing season in the daytime. And so it's a really unique climate, which um, you know has, has, has led to some of these wines that can sit really in the company of the great wines of the world. And that was a dream my grandfather had that you know we could make wines that can sit in the company of the great wines of the world. And in 1965, he was asked to leave the winery that my family would, had at the time. And actually still my family runs, which is Charles Krug, um, my, my cousins, my second cousins, um, the Peter Mondavi family, great, great, great um, history with Charles Krug. And then 65, we were asked to leave. 66, my grandfather began Robert Mondavi, uh, 1979, Opus 1. Um, and then we began to grow outwardly. Um, and then in 2004, um, you know, we, we went public and it's a whole long story. Worst thing that we could have done, uh, hindsight being 2020. And actually, you know, it all led to great things. But 04, we sold Robert Mondavi. 05, my grandfather Robert, father Tim, and my Aunt Marcy began Continuum. And we stopped making anything but that one wine in Napa. And I'd gone to college in France worked in Burgundy. My brother Dante is a crazy Pinot Noir guy. In fact, my grandfather Robert was crazy about, is, was crazy about Pinot Noir and my, my father as well. They passed that bug on to us. Um, and so in 2013, my brother Dante and I, uh, we began making rain um, on the true Sonoma Coast. We went off on our own and, um, and, and began this project. And that kind of, you know, it, it, I really grazed over everything, but I think that, um, that's just the cliff notes. <laughs> so, I, I mean, the, 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 the story requires a book and a movie and all sorts of things that I'm sure have happened and will continue to happen because it is 100 years of legacy winemaking is, is, is unto itself a story. So thank you for consolidating it. I have two things. I mean, on rain, I want to I hear about the principles behind rain, how it's different, et cetera. But I also want to give you huge congratulations. I mean, it was just announced that your 2019 vintage of, I think it's called the, the Seacoast, is it? Or Seafields yeah. of, of, of the, ni the 19 Pinot Noir just scored 99 points. I mean, from, you know, uh, James Suckless, who's one of the biggest wine critics out there right now. So huge congratulations. Yeah. I think your Chardonnay and your other two Pinots also got uh, above 97. So this is no small feat for a reasonably young uh, winery, is it not? Thanks. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it was, uh, it's incredible. And uh, James Suckling also coming from him. And he's one of the great, I think, uh, wine critics of, of a generation now. And so it was, it was a huge honor to get such a great review um, and, and to be in the company of, of the wines. I, I, 
his wines that he selects each year um, tend to be some of the wines that I truly love. And so I've, I've always gravitated towards kind of his palate. So it was a real, it's, it's been an honor to be in, in the company that he considers to be great wines. And um, certainly to have that score too, which was, um, which is lovely. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and I think also, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but there's lots of buzzwords being thrown out in, in all sorts of farming right now, right? But especially in viniculture. I mean, biodynamic, you know, organic, all natural, sulfate-free. I mean, it kind of continues. Um, RAIN was founded on some certain principles and is, in fact, an acronym. Can you talk about how RAIN is different? And, and, and I think it probably ties into the Monarch Challenge as well a little bit. Yeah, and, and well, yeah. Um, the Monarch Challenge kind of became a part of, of, you know, something that I saw bigger when I began running because, you know, I, I followed really in the footsteps of my father and my grandfather with this idea that, um, you know, we can farm in, in harmony with nature and we can elevate the farm and that we can, we can hopefully leave something better than we found it and, and kind of elevate, you know, we, where the forest doesn't end at the vineyard and kind of the wildlife continues throughout. And so RAIN, um, the name itself stands for um, kind of the idea that, that the miracle of water becoming or the alchemy of water becoming wine happens every year in the vineyards naturally without doing anything at all. And then the unique spelling stands for our dedication to research in agriculture and enology naturally. So, um, you know, all native fermentations, we don't add yeast, we don't um, allow yeast in the winery, we don't find, we don't filter, we're very pure and clean in the cellar and very hands-off. And we spend a tremendous amount of our time um, on A. And the reason why we say A, agriculture instead of viticulture is because we're really looking at the whole entire farm. And so we began farming as a permaculture first, which I think is the holy grail of farming where uh, the farm permanently sustains itself. If you have something bad that is, is, is you, know, you know, an unwanted insect, you have beneficial flowers that bring in beneficial insects that kick out the bad. It's basically stressing biodiversity, the idea of polyculture, multiple things happening at one place um, to create that kind of um, uh, path forward. And I really believe that leads to a healthier soil microbiome, a healthier farm biology, and at the end of the day, a better quality of fruit that you get that makes a more delicious wine. And so that's always been something that we've, we've focused on at RAIN, and that's something I've inherited from my grandfather, my father's overall philosophy, and now we're, we're, we're trying to really elevate that, um, which is exciting. So we pull on, yeah, permaculture, biodynamics, um, and then uh, we base out as, as it were, a no-till farm. So, I mean, you know, we're basically um, doing that for to protect climate change, because when you till, you release carbon back into the atmosphere, all that carbon that you've been fixing. And so, and I also believe that it, it leads to a better, healthier uh, soil microbiome. And so, um, so that, and then, um, uh, um, so we, we, we base that at regenerative, basically, which I, are all beyond organic principles um, and all very, you know, tangible. You can you can you can document all of those. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not one or the other. It's a mix. But permaculture first for us. <laughs> like that. I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, let's go back to this amazing 99 points that you just scored on this one bottle, for instance, uh, or this one vintage of, of the Pinot Noir. Um, there, are, there are now wines being produced literally in every U.S. state, in most countries in the world. Consumption has just exploded over the last, let's say, 20, 30 years. I mean, as we think about the farming principles, right, how do you see this evolving and, and, and how do you see wine necessarily adapt both to climate change, but also to consumer demand. Yeah, I mean, well, 
uh, so many, so much in that. I think the biggest thing is that we are going into a climate emergency right now. I mean, the world is in a place that um, is terrifying. Um, that means that some areas are, are in perspective that weren't maybe favorable last year, maybe becoming favorable in terms of climate now. Um, but overall, it's a terrifying, you know, you, we've seen the vertical rise of, of um, greenhouse gases in our planet, and we've seen wildfires and ice caps melting, and just, it's a terrifying time. So I, I think that the biggest thing that we need to do, wherever the, the wine is coming from, is treat our planet like we're going through a climate emergency and have everything date back or, 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 or tie back to how are we going to protect our planet while we progress the quality of, of our farming and the quality of our winemaking. And so, um, you know, that, that I know I'm not quite answering all of the questions you, you asked, but I think that that is perhaps the most important thing. And then from there, um, you know, finding the, the nuances of, of where the great vineyards are, um, and what, what grows well and what sites um, and uh, all that. But it's an exciting time on the, on the, on the wine scene globally. Um, it's also a terrifying time right now for anyone to be thinking about farming. It's just scary. It, it is. I, th I think that's, I mean, that's a pretty interesting opportunity, I think, to just dive in quickly um, uh, about what can consumers do? I mean, again, the labeling is confusing. The labeling is not regulated, is not globally consistent. I mean, what would you tell any consumer, you know, myself included, like to look for uh, on, on a label or it, it ask your local, you know, wine shop owner? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of times it's really terrifying for wineries to go and like, it's like, you know, I'm going to become, you know, certified organic or Demeter biodynamic. I'm going to go through a certification process can cost a lot of, of, of time and money. And then every year you're being audited. It's like inviting the IRS to come in and audit. It's, it's really a hard um, thing to do. So what I recommend for consumers is to get to know the wineries and, and find the small wineries. I mean, Dante and I farm only 18 and a half acres. Um, people know us personally and they, they get to know us. Find wineries around the world that you know. Um, and then certainly, obviously, if they are certified Demeter or biodynamic or, you know, or, or biodynamic or organic, um, that's a plus plus. That gives more bite to the, the reality because I can go to the farmer's market in Sonoma and, and know that, you know, Katina's tomatoes are farm organically because I can because I know Katina and Kyle from single thread and I know how they and I know that they're farming at the highest level they don't have to be certified because I know but now when you go to Whole Foods or somewhere you know to a, a grocery store and you see tomatoes you have no idea where they came from so certification becomes really important and there but I, I think that asking questions um, and and talking to the wineries and asking them what are you guys doing and then you know um, yeah, I think certification is becoming more and more important now because it's just, it, it adds, it, that does show that they're dedicated to that, but. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate that. And I think it's helpful for everyone listening to know what we can do um, to support. But what I hear there is local, get to know, you know, your, your, your people. Uh, I mean, it's about relationships, like so many yeah. things. And then of course, what I'm hearing in the entire, you know, value chain of winemaking, one of the major things is the farming. I mean, how the grapes are grown and harvested is, and, and how the soil is kept is in fact, the major point of influence and, and change on climate. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> absolutely. I think first great climate to make great wines, great site, all that, that's a whole, then on top of that, the just kind of, um, 
idea of trying to progress our planet and, and do things better. And that's you know one of the reasons why I began Monarch, the Monarch Tractor through the Monarch Challenge was to be able to allow, because right now there's a greater carbon footprint associated with organic farming. Um, there's, you know, organic contact sprays are not as powerful as synthetic um, kind of, you know, um, no sprays. So when you're, when you're going out and, and, and farming organically, you're driving the tractor more, you have a bigger carbon footprint. Um, it's more expensive also. So now you have your, 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 there's always been these two fights, like, you can't, you, you protect your soil microbiome and your fine bar, farm biology and you're hurting the planet because you're burning more diesel or you spray chemicals, you destroy your farm microbiology and your soil microbiome and you're, you're great for the planet, but you're hurting, you know, nature. So there was always this, you had to choose. And, and so the Monarch tractor being all electric, being driver optional, um, allows your farms to farm organically, regeneratively, biodynamically, all the beautiful farming practices without the carbon footprint and also without the cost associated. And so it allows for a bridge into making organic farming essentially um, the new the new conventional. And so now you'll see, you know, there is a future where I do believe there's a future where um, there are no more chemicals being where you can use different light at different times. Um, like at Monarch Tractor, we're, we're working with Cornell University. They have this um, this UV light program that they're working on to try to fight fungicides with light instead of things like sulfur or, or systemics. Um, yeah, that's for sure. It's, it's just, um, we're getting there. And that's one of the things that I'm happy to be at on my second part of my life. You know, my, my focus in the company, the great wines of the world, but then um, with, with Monarch Tractor, how can we do this at a commercial level for, for farms where it doesn't affect our, our you know, carbon footprint and where actually we can go from you know, fossil fuel farming to renewable energy farming and have a path forward to a brilliant um, you know, planet that, that um, allows for us to do all the things that we want to do and that we should do. And, and great wine, I mean, to, to, to boot. Um, I, as, we, as we start thinking about wrapping up, I have two questions. I, I mean, your family has now been doing this in California for 100 years, 102 years, actually, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is your vision? I mean, you have so much passion, clearly, for the regenerative agriculture, for the reduction of carbon footprint, for so much that is necessary. What is your vision for rain and for the Mandavi family and for California wines and the and viniculture globally for the next hundred years? I think a, there's a lot of, you know, for rain, for sure, our, our, our goal continues to be to make wines that can sit in the company of the great wines of the world, that, that we're a Pinot Noir domain focused on Pinot Noir. Um, I'm drinking Chardonnay right now, but, <laughs> um, but that we can, we can make, you know, Pinot Noir that can sit in the company of the great wines of the world. We have what we consider to be California Grand Cru vineyards. And so our focus within those 18 and a half acres is just to continue to elevate on all fronts, on, on our farming, on um, our, our, everything we do in the cellar um, and so on. And then um, the next 100 years, I think, um, you know, the goal is to try to come to some sort of, as a planet, um, you know, climate neutral neutrality, some sort of climate stability, right, where um, we're no longer emitting so many greenhouse gases in a disproportionate weight amount that our planet can actually metabolize. And so that we come to some sort of balance where what we put out is also being regenerated back. And so, um, that that's my dream, my hope, and I think that if we're able to do that, then we can we can deal with all the challenges that we have as farmers that are normal and not with like a planet that's burning. And so it's it's a terrifying time right now, and um, I just hope that you know we we um, can figure that out. And that's one of the 
you know, apart from my love and of farming and part of the reason why I began the Monarch Challenge and the Monarch Tractor was to be able to have a planet that's safe that I can pass on, you know, this estate that I've, you know, really worked hard with my brother on to, you know, his, his my, my niece and, and my future children so that, you know, we have something that can become a legacy. Because if we don't start acting now, our, we won't have that path forward just on based on what we're doing right now. So um, my, my goal, my, I'll just say for the next hundred years is that we, we, we figure this out and we, we protect our planet the way that we need to. We take it for the sacred place that it is and we figure out a way to, to coexist with nature here um, versus dominate and do kind of what we've been doing for the last hundred years or so. So I, it couldn't be said better. And I think you're a great steward of that and obviously uh, an inspiration for many. Um, we've been super wonky for the most part for the last, you know, 20 minutes or so. Um, I'm going to just level up. I mean, we're talking about wine, which is something, I mean, so many people enjoy, myself included, you as well in Italy right now, um, where you're farming some beautiful land up in Piemonte. Um, what is you t- tell me, like, and tell people who are listening and watching, like, favorite wine, which context do you enjoy being enjoyed? You know, obviously that's a big, bold question, but uh, to, to, to end on. No, I, so yeah, that's a great question, Lisa. I, I, I always say, and this is something so funny because I, I really believe the best wines, when I think about the best wines that I've had, they literally were wines that were absolutely exceptional in every measure of the wine. They were flawless, aromatic, textural they they give you for me they've been a part of the inspiration for why i began rain actually with my brother um but they gave us a different dimension of energy that like i still get goosebumps when i think about these wines but there was another dimension to those wines i was with either my grandfather or my father someone very special um and so there's the context of of all sorts of things happening um you know what is the barometric pressure outside? What did you have for breakfast? What's your blood sugar like? Are you healthy? Are you, how are you feeling? All these things go into eventually this perfect moment with wine. And then on top of that, a great wine from a great site. And some of these wines have been from, from Napa with my grandfather, some of the old Napa wines that my, my grandfather and my father made. Um, I just recently, this last year had um, an O one Massetto on my grand, my father's 70th birthday with an 08 continuum. And I was just in love with Cabernet um, and Cabernet Franc. And it, it was amazing. Um, I'm, I'm a, for me personally, Nebbiolo and Pinot Noir are my two favorite varieties. I am all about ethereal, delicate, elegant, lifted, bright wines. And so um, it's, it's impossible to give one. Um, I love the wines my fiance makes, uh, which is Agricola Brandini, amazing. Um, I just had a great, I just was out to dinner, uh, Giovanni Carreja from Matteo Carreja, and we had a bottle of our papa, which is dedicated to his father, it was amazing, Nebbiolo. Giovanni Gaia, I just had their most recent bottling of Gaia, which was just incredible. Um, and then I'm a big Burgundy guy. I love Dujac. Um, I love to, uh, the family has some of the great holdings. They farm at such a high level. They make wines that just hit you in such a special way. Like they're really, special wines. And, and then of course, um, this is kind of a holy grail wine, but this is one of the wines that I had with my grandfather at the estate on a day that changed my life, um, which is, was, is Romani Conti, which it sounds cliche to say this because it's, it's an insane wine, almost impossible to find, but um, no, it's a whole mix. There's so many bottles of wine. It can't be just one, but um, uh, it, it's, I can remember 
the ones that hit me. And it's not just the bottle, it's the time, it's the place, it's who you're with. Um, yeah. I think face. that's I think that's a pretty special way of ending because this whole wonky conversation about gen, you know, agri, gener, regenerative agriculture and everything else certainly pulls together um, all of the science and the data and everything else. But of course, um, it's much more about the experience, the culture and who you're enjoying it with. Um, I, with that, Carlo, and it looks like maybe you're frozen in Italy, but thank you so much for joining us on Future of XYZ. Uh, it's really been a pleasure chatting. Uh, I can't I can't thank you enough. Um, and congratulations again to Rain Winery on your most recent accolades. And to everyone watching and listening, um, Carlo is in a really good position frozen there. But uh, if you haven't already uh, subscribed to Future of XYZ on YouTube or Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, please do so and uh, follow us on Future of XYZ on Instagram. We will see you next week. And uh, it was a great conversation with Carlo Mondavi of Rain Winery out in Sonoma, California. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.